This conversation was recorded last year when the new season of Queer Eye had just been released, and even more so when the Black Lives Matter and racial injustice movements were truly holding the nation's attention. This conversation may have two references that seem dated, but I thought it was still important to keep those in and share this conversation with you all. Enjoy, friends. From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey, friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about healing. Life can be magical and challenging at the same time. You can find yourself happy and then the next moment in a state of shock that you are dealing with or encountering something you never imagined. But after that moment happens, it's up to us to start that journey of healing. So today I have invited actress and author Jolie Fisher on the show to discuss her journey of healing. As many of you know, tragically, within a day of each other, Jolie lost her stepmother, Debbie Reynolds, and her sister, Carrie Fisher. This is a moment that put Jolie on a path of healing. But Jolie is someone who doesn't shy away from healing and growth. And I know her inspiring story will guide you too. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, friends! So, friends, as I shared, I am so excited to be joined by someone who I truly love and respect as a human being, though we've never met, I've sort of done a gushing session before you all got on. I'm so glad that you are here, Jolie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I was going to go gushing about you, but let's, we already did that. Yes, we did. We did. We did. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this on air because I like to hold myself accountable. Um, I'm going to try to get all of our busy schedules so that the Fab Five and all of us could all hang out because we're all fans. And so we'll all just come in, have a good cocktail and a drink. I mean, I'm ugly crying at the new season, by the way. Ugly crying. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's, it's weird to say, but I guess that's kind of job security yes, for us. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> compliment taken. Exactly. Thank you. So um, I just want to start off with, you know, you have a beautiful family and we're in a, a challenging but also important time in American history. Whereas we've seen with the Black Lives protests and with new policies and legislation being passed, people are starting to understand that, you know, black Americans have been experiencing injustice in this country for many years. And you have a child who's African-American. I do. And I want to talk to you about how do you support your child in healing and growing during a moment where the initial reaction would normally be to be fearful. 
My daughter, Olivia Luna, is 11 years old, and she's every bit my daughter. I adopted her right out of the gate from birth. I was the first one to hold her, so she's my kid. But I also have been ruminating in this idea of taking responsibility and accountability for you know, that doesn't make it okay for me to be a standby, a witness to what's happening just because I have a black kid. There are things that we didn't think all the way through in terms of I have four other children and she's the youngest. And we, with crazy open arms, said, yes, 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 we want this baby. My oldest daughter, who is a, a just finished her freshman year at Chapman University in political science, and she's a feminist and is, you know, telling me she's coming out on Sunday. We'll see what happens. But she led a protest the other day in our in our town where we live, our city in, you know, in the valley in Los Angeles. And my daughter, Luna, came in and she said, I made a sign. And she her sign said, my life matters. And I really, truly, like my breath was taken away because not only because she felt that she wanted to be part of it. And of course, she would be part of it as our three daughters went marching with us into this protest peacefully. She knows that. She knows that from us. Mm -hmm. she, she feels that her life matters, and we've made sure that it does. But in these times, we had to kind of go back and kind of cycle back through history. And we explained to her how this country was built by brown and black people, but not for brown and black people. And we sort of had to go through all of that. And I feel proud. I feel pride in it. But I also feel like, ah, oh, we have to have this conversation. Yeah. It's a frightening time. It's an empowering time. It's a, like I said, we all are trying to, um, you know, take responsibility and have accountability for what's happening. It doesn't it doesn't give us a pass. What I think is very special about what you just said is, you know, you said that you educated are educating your daughter on the history of this country and you know, preparing her in essence for the realities of the world. And I think we always hear about the fact that that is the norm for African-American parents to African-American children, but we never hear about white parents who now have to embark on this conversation that you probably didn't have to really have with the, um, your other children. With the other and kids. Not saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I think it's a very interesting perspective of as you're guiding your daughter to heal through education and through knowing that she's surrounded by love, you're also having to to come to a place where you're like, okay, I have to sort of go on this journey of finding clarity, finding truth, finding finding new strength that you know you might not have had to tap in before to be able to support your daughter. Right. What was that process like for you of doing that? God, it took disruption and devastation and destruction and all of these things for for me as a human to go, "Oh, wait a second. Let me step back and look. Have I really been paying attention?" is really what it did for me. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Now, you've had an awesome career and you've transitioned from actress to director, but I'm sure there were moments you didn't get the yes you desired. How do you heal from those no's in order to keep going after a yes? When I was like 17 years old, 18 years old, I tested for my first like big movie part and I didn't get it. Threw myself down on the bed and I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to have a career and blah, 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 blah. And my mom, Connie Stevens, she said, Jolie, like it's it's a job mm. it is when it's your when it's your role it's gonna be your role there's not gonna be any competition and those roles have come along for me i have had 
a wonderful yeses and a tremendous amount of noes that weren't my parts. They weren't my parts. Yeah. I am green-eyed, so I'm a little jealous here and there. But I, I try not to look at other people's careers and say, oh, damn it, I should have that or that or whatever. I, I have my path and I'm on it. And I think transitioning to author, writer, director, creator, um, you know, renaissance woman, really at a certain point in a woman's life, it's like, I'm going to be in competition with Meryl Streep, you know, at a certain age. So there are, you know, there are fewer roles. And so that I have made it my mission to, you know, sort of forge that path for, for other women too. What a beautiful lesson that you got that I think is a mantra that everyone around the world can take. And even if you're not an actor, when it's your role, it's your role. Because I have my path and I'm on it. And I'm combining what your mother said to you with what you said right now. Because that is such a beautiful thing that no matter what you're going out for, your opportunity, your role is your role. But as you said, I just have to be on my path towards getting there. And I think that is such a great mantra for people to repeat to themselves so that as they get those no's, they can sort of heal through that moment and find clarity to keep going. So in Hollywood, as you were sort of describing, we all know that women are often treated unfairly and not just in Hollywood, in the world mm-hmm. and not given the same opportunities. Was that true for your experience in a lot of times? Yes. I mean, I think it is. We're sort of like edging our way through like the Me Too movement into the All Black Lives Matter movement, into gay pride, into whatever. I mean, like we're, we we sort of like are, you know, navigating these crazy waters right now. But I think my experience is I've seen it. I've spoken up about it. I've witnessed it. I haven't necessarily experienced. I never got to the point where I was advanced on sexually that I didn't, you know, like in that term. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. But I mean, I think that it was a different time too, where flirting and, you know, like stuff like that crossed the line ever so slightly in some cases. And I kind of powered through it or maybe even made sense of it, maybe even said, oh, that's just the way people treat each other. Or, yeah. you know, there have, it's been, you know, an interesting ride in terms of not being paid to be equally as the, you know, my male counterpart, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I was a mother before I was a mother. I'm a nurturer. Mm. I stand up for marginalized and underserved people my whole entire life, even as a teenager. My mother created this atmosphere of like respect and reverence for men and women that serve the country, that protect us. Mostly in those days, they were men. My mom flew off to Vietnam and and entertained the troops when we were babies. She went on, you know, she says she fought in four wars. She went and and did her part with Bob Hope. And so when we were teenagers, we went, went around the world with Bob Hope and entertained. We were taught to take care of Native American people as, um, Mm. as young women. My mom is a quarter Blackfoot Indian and uh, who, I mean, to look at her, you're not going to ever dream that. But so she rose to the occasion and raised money to, to put water on reservations and put kids through college. So, so I picked up the, the baton and, and raised a million and a half dollars for Navajo nation in the past two months. I'm giving um, my air claps right now. That's amazing. Yes. It was when we first started this that I realized that the plight of the Navajo Nation and I was like, oh, my God, we have to help. And I just sort of jumped into action. I also from that discovered that 
this country, through all of this, that this country doesn't take care of our elders. We don't take care of old people either, by the way. We don't take care of our grandparents the way that uh, other generations did or other countries do where they revere the aged. And so it is a new mission for me suddenly of, you know, like the Navajo, like the tribes people of our country, the Native American people, how they protect the elders who are the keepers of the secrets. I was like, I'm going to do that for the rest of the people of the country. It's not enough that I watched my mom, single parent, raise two children, have a career, raise money for people, um, you know, always like fighting for the underdog as well as, you know, having a penchant for sparkly things. I mean, she's (laughs) a really interesting human being and that was um who i saw she sounds like my she sounds like my twin soul because i do love a sparkly situation as well oh my god (laughs) who does not love a sparkly situation amen seriously (laughs) there's something you said that i thought was really interesting and sweet you said as a mother before you were a mother this is you've always been a mother and i think there's something that's really special about that because you kind of were in tune with this nurturing side of yours so you know when you see people as you've done with you know um in these different arenas people who are dealing with these injustices how do you step up for them um so so they can feel supported and feel um like you're assisting them on their journey of healing and i say that because i know that many people out there are see what you've seen but don't know how to take that first step to help or to assist someone to go on their journey of healing and doing better for the world and doing better for themselves? My first instinct in answering your question is I am a warrior from the get-go. So when I see something, when I see an injustice or when I see, like I said, somebody said to me, oh, I was a, I was a really good mom until I actually gave birth. I was a really good mom. And then I gave birth. Mm. I'm like a mother, like a, like a lioness with cubs. And I treated my friends like that when we were younger. And I treat my girlfriends like that. I will fight for you to the end. I say, you know, as entertainment industry folks, we get a call every day. Can you decorate a pair of jeans? Can you make a Christmas thing? Can you sing a song? Can you run a 5k? Can you do a jig? Can you, you know, walk a a catwalk for this charity, that charity? And I was like, yes. Okay. What do you need? I'll do it. And then when I became a mother, I was like, okay, wait, I have to make time for the actual people that I've brought onto the planet. And I've been a vessel for them and, and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. So I sort of took a step back and then tried to put my energy into the children of the world, or I was the ambassador for save the children. And I went to Africa and that's actually what um, inspired me to add to my family. She's not from Africa, by the way. She's uh, my daughter is adopted from South Central LA because we look in our own backyard and there are children without families that need us. And legit, I will put on a show. I will march. There's no bounds to what I would do, minus giving up moments that where my children really need me, my own children. Yeah. What I think is really clear about what you just said, that people can use as clear advice for them, is that sort of process of focusing on yourself and your family first. Because I think a lot of times in this process of wanting to help others, 
and help others find equality and help others to heal, you forget that you have to focus on yourself and your family, the ones around you. But then what I loved about what you said is that you then found causes that were close to your heart. And for you, it was like, I'm a mother. I'm going to talk about children and I'm going to do this. But then most importantly, it's that idea of use what you have, use what's in your means. And I, cause you know, I never thought about when you were just talking about like, Hey, I'm going to make us a, a, a jeans or something and sparkle it or whatever, you know, Yeah. those things do help because sometimes you'll start to compare like, well, if I'm not doing this then I guess I, I'm, I shouldn't do anything, but it's like every bit helps. And so finding what you have, whether big or small, or, or even if it's just your story, like how you shared about knowing about foreclosures, that then inspires someone and helps them to go on their journey of healing and finding justice, which I think is really special. It's such a clear three step. I'm all about three steps. And the way you just put that was so like, yes, this is more attainable than most people think it is, which is really great. As a human being, it's not our obligation. It's our honor to help people. Mm. It's not our obligation. Mm -hmm. It is something that should be revered that you are able to without depleting your own resources. I'm talking about spiritually, financially, or otherwise to spread whatever joy and love and money and food and shelter and whatever it else it is that you can, you are able to share with people without depleting yourself is joy. Yeah. You once said the most difficult aspect to write about was loss. I want to quote you. It says, it's loss of trust in people, loss of people in my life, revealing stuff about hard times that throughout my life have been covered up. And you said you put on your lipstick put on a pretty dress and make believe that everything is okay. Can you talk to me a bore about how you deal with loss? Well, uh, getting right to cutting to the quick is that, you know, everybody knows that my sister Carrie Fisher, um, you know, suddenly left this, you know, the, the earth off its axis by dying. And, um, and uh, there were, you know, all of these people that lost princess Leia and I lost, my sister and my mentor and my mirror, I say. And so obviously I had dealt with loss. I lost my father, but losing my father, I didn't realize how much it was going to affect me. I wasn't raised by him, but it did. And Carrie and Trisha, my other sister and myself, we went and we, you know, sort of talked about loss and what that meant for these three Fisher girls, the offspring of Eddie. And then a couple of years later to lose Carrie so suddenly. And I think in a way we had been losing her for years in terms of her illness and addiction and all of that, that she was going through. That's her story and her, you know, we can read about her story in all of her works of art and her books. Mm -hmm. It's not funny, but I actually just lost one of my high school best friends to the same disease, to, you know, mental illness and addiction. So it felt a bit like the same thing that happened December 27th, 2016. Yeah. 2016 was a rough, rough year for me. And when she died, you know, it not the cliche thing of, oh, a part of me died with her because it didn't. A part of me became enraged and encouraged and inflamed and instigated this creative catharsis of writing for me. Mm. And I say that, you know, she fell on this proverbial sword in order for me to find my voice. I miss her desperately and dearly 
all the time. I think of what would she be saying about what we're going through right now? I mean, please. I mean, what would Carrie Fisher say would be is like, I say it a million times a day. But we know that she would have something funny and dark and wry and smart to say about everything that's going on. I was doing a play when she died and I sat backstage and my publicist said, do you want to make a statement? And the Hollywood reporter would like for you to write something. And I was like, uh, okay. So I was in my dressing room and I scratched out like everything I do is in my hand because I'm a shitty typist. And I write, you know, with pens and pencils all over journals and notebooks and whatever and have done my whole life. So I wrote this article and at the end of it, I said, you can't write this R-I-G-H-T, but you can write it W-R-I-T-E. And boy, do I have a book in me. And suddenly I had offers to write this book. And, and, and I was like, oh my God, I, you know, I'm not even 50 years old. And should I write a memoir? And who is going to care? And it turns out I did. I cared about writing my story. I cared about having this creative catharsis of, you know, setting the record straight-ish, bringing things out of the closet-ish. You know, my editor was like, I want you to bleed on the page. So that's exactly what I did. I wrote, and that's how I think we Fisher women, you know, navigate some of this stuff, is that we're the keeper of the narrative of this family. We are that for everybody. And it spilled out of me. It literally was like, my kids were like, oh, you know, this was my job right now. My job was to write this book. And I would go in the, you know, in the middle of the night or like in the really, really wee hours of the morning, sun coming up and just, just bleeding on the page. And um, I've gone back to look at it a lot of times because I want to like grab an excerpt or I want to, um, you know, as I'm doing my play and I'm like, oh, let's sell the book. And, the, you know, I want people to continue to read it. It holds up it's not new information. It's my story. It's my story of my career of what you were talking about. The first thing is ups and downs of a career, love stories, stories about each of my children and how they came to me and, um, (laughs) animals and homes I've lived in. And it's, it's, you know, I think I turn a phrase a little bit like my sister did probably if I have any, you know, ounce of what she had, I'm proud to have that. I hate to say, hesitate to say like, oh, I loved writing a book about it. But I I really sort of dug into that outlet. But, you know, that was all so accessible to me in terms of expressing how people perceive what it must have been like to grow up like me. Yeah. You know, it's the first question that people ask. Oh, what's it like to be this? What's it like to be that? And it's like, I don't know what it's like to be you. So I'll just tell you this is the story, you know? Yeah. But I think, I think that's such a healthy thing, which is letting your emotions out. And for you, it was about putting it on the page. And I think that sometimes when people are dealing with loss and dealing with trying to figure out how to heal, they sometimes keep the narratives playing in their head over and over again. And what happens is they get trapped in there and they get distorted. And when you can put it out in the world, It's it helps you to heal and find clarity. And something you said, which I thought is so beautiful, be the keeper of your own narrative. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a gorgeous, gorgeous way of understanding that when something happens to you, you can't allow other people to talk about your journey of growth and healing and what you're experiencing. In any experience. You, in any experience. Exactly. Yeah. 
Don't let them fill in the blank for you. Yeah. You be the keeper of your own narrative. And then when you're as the keeper of that narrative, share it with yourself first by writing it, by talking mm-hmm. about it. So that way you can get clarity and get everything you need to heal. What a beautiful sentiment. Oh, I told you. I told everybody you were inspiring. <laughs> I, I told we, you. But by the way, the only thing is I wish we were in the same room right now. <laughs> I I do, too. I I can't lie. I do as well. You just also mentioned that you were backstage when you got the news. And I also read that TMZ knew about your sister's um, heart attack before you did. Do you feel empathy is lost in the sensationalism of media when it comes to tragedies? Oh, God. I was pissed that Harvey Levin got my cell phone number and dared to call me to confirm, quote unquote, that she had had this heart attack. And I had, it was the morning I had been texting with her in London the night before her phone died. And she texted me saying, I'm going to be back in LA and let's see each other at Christmas. So that was two days before Christmas, you know? And so it was like a gut punch to have this man I, I, what, 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 don't call me. And, you know, and I saw the number over and over again, this 818 number. And I was like, who is this trying to call me? I'm, I should answer it, I guess. Maybe it's an emergency. And I'm pissed that it was him. Yeah. I, I am. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think that he is like in a class by himself in terms of garbage and sensationalization, but I, I don't fault everybody in the press with, you know, shining a light on when, when people leave, I don't, I, you know, he's just, you know, has his own place in hell. (laughs) It was a Hollywood story and it was a Hollywood ending and a Hollywood reveal. You know what I mean? It was, it just was that, although that was something that would have been, you know, very carry to have happen, you know, that was, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I have to say that, um, I appreciate your honesty with that question because I'm in this space where, um, as you know, as parents, like when things get revealed before you've had an opportunity to process or talk to your family, it's something that I, I, I it bothers me in this town. And that's true. I, yes. I just it just it always is like I, I always maybe it's because the type of human being I am. I'm just like the decency. My first reaction when I do majority of things in my life is always that I think will affect someone else is how is this going to really hurt them or help them? I've trained my sons to be that same way of like, think to yourself immediately. You're about to do something. Is this going to hurt somebody else or someone? And I just think sometimes with Hollywood, you know, I understand people have a job to do with press, but it's like, think really quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, if this story was to come out four hours later or six hours later, you know, it doesn't matter or a day later, give this family and give people an opportunity to experience to process and explain to their loved ones before you now having to feel questions. And, you know, this is, you know, what's interesting though, don't you think it's like a weird thing in human nature that like, we want to regale the great news, but we also kind of like, I don't know, this may be just me, but like, I want to tell people the bad news too. Maybe it's that I am a nurturer and I want to coach people through that moment. And I want to tell them how important they were to somebody and what a great life they led. And the fact that we're mourning for somebody is really, we're mourning for ourselves and the loss of that human being for us and for us on the planet that are still here. The person who's gone is not in pain. They're gone. They're gone to where whatever you believe happens, a better place, uh, heaven, whatever. I don't, you know, who knows what it is, but 
I do believe that when we when we mourn the loss of someone, it's for our own loss, mm-hmm. you know, and it's important. Right. What you're saying is exactly true. It's that when I when I was writing the book, you know, there's a lot of things that go along with it. They go through it uh, for a legal pass of like, are you going to get in trouble for any information that, you know, that isn't your right to tell, which I was very, very careful to do that. And then it was like, there were a few moments that were like, is this unnecessarily mean to somebody, which I, I, there were, there were not, you know, any great shit, any big moments like that, but there were a few things that I was like, you know what, that's not my place. So I'm going to tell the stuff where I'm going to bleed on the page and I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to laugh. I want you to cry. I want you to go, I want to see this girl on stage. I want to like have a meal with her. I want to see how her children turn out. God, I'd love to meet her mom. You know, I want you to have all of that experience in reading it. What I don't want you to say is, she's nasty, or why did she say that about that person? That's so that's it's interesting that you're saying that about like just taking a step back, take a minute. Why are you telling this story in any way, giving bad news, whatever the case may be? You know? Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, after this conversation, I know that everyone listening is going to want to <laughs> hang out with you, have dinner with you, find out more about your kids, just just know you, just as I already knew in my heart that I would walk away from this conversation feeling full of love and feeling inspired. I know that everyone else is going to feel that way as well. So thank you so much for spending this time with me and being so open and vulnerable and sharing and just for being who you are. You're, you're a light in this world oh, and I'm very thankful that you're in it. So thank you so much. All right. All right bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com i want to thank jolie for coming on the show and sharing her story and for being so open and honest about her journey of healing and growth in all areas of her life Listen, friends, what I know to be true is when you are healing, you have to give yourself time, space, and permission to feel what you're feeling and to grieve as long as you need to. You got to take care of yourself by adopting mindful practices that allow you to find joy, to connect with others, and to allow a space for you to feel what you need to feel, again, as long as you need to feel it. Lastly, as you are on this journey, 
try to find meaning in the loss because there is meaning in it. Healing is never an easy journey to embark on, but you can do it. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. Hey, friends! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.